This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when cancelled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. You're about to listen to a segment from the Freedom's Disciple podcast exclusive to The Blaze. If you like it, please subscribe for free on SoundCloud, iTunes or Google Play Music. And a new show is released every Saturday at noon Eastern. Or you can get more information if you go to www.freedomsdisciple.com. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope the first segment gave you some food for thought and something for you to think about as as you approach this week of Thanksgiving and how you how you deal with your family and your friends and how you maybe reach out to them. I hope it's, it might have spurred something inside some of you or even one of you just to just to listen. You know, we have two ears and one mouth and as I used to be all as I used to be told as a child and I still am, you know, you should use them in that proportion. I want to move on because I want to talk to you about this is the weeks of this is one of my favorite weeks of the American calendar. You know, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't wish deep down oh, I wish I was in America. Uh, I wish I was there now. Uh, and it always happens each and every day. I wish I wish I was there. I wish I was in Dallas. I wish I was in New York. You know, when different events happen. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite weeks because of the history involved not because of what it is today but of the history and it's something I've never had the honor yet of I've actually been in America for Thanksgiving it's something I hope to correct one day but I want to just talk to you about the history of Thanksgiving it's a history you probably most of you will know very well but just for me the story and the history involved is incredible And I just want to talk to you about it for a few minutes, if you'll indulge me. It's September 1620. And a great ship called the Mayflower leaves Plymouth, England. With a sense of adventure. There are 102 passengers on board. And they're all religious separatists. They're looking for a new land. They're looking for a new opportunity. They're looking to be free. They're looking to be able to worship the way they want to. For 66 days they travel the Atlantic Ocean. And on that morning of the 66th morning they arrive 
at a place that we now know as Cape Cod. I just ask you to think about that for a minute. Can you imagine spending 66 days on a ship? Can you imagine spending 66 days looking at nothing on a ship? Your fellow brothers and sisters. The blue of the ocean and the blue of the sky and the white of the clouds and nothing else. I think I'd go crazy. Because bear in mind, in 1620, it wasn't as if you had, oh, I just, that's fine, 66 days, I'll just get on my iPhone. And I'll play, you know, Candy Crush or whatever it is kids play today. I'm not hip, I'm sorry. Or I'll just bring my Kindle. You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll just, that's 66 days, that's fine, that's che- I'll, I'll catch up on my reading. Or 66 days, I'll, I'll catch up on my scriptures. They didn't really have any of that technology and books and the printing press wasn't invented yet and it wasn't common practice for people to have books. It wasn't even common practice for people to have a Bible. Now we know there was the Mayflower Bible there but there was one but you have 102 passengers so there might be a waiting list. Imagine you arrive and 66 days you survive the boredom, the... Just imagine being around 102 people for 66 days. Seriously, I, I don't know about you, but if it was... I, I'd probably thump someone. I think I'd be like, oh, just go away and I'll throw you overboard. I mean that in a joke, of course. But just think, you got travel 66 days across the Atlantic Ocean. You get to Cape Cod. And then the captain comes along and says, yeah, you know what? This is not where we're supposed to be. We're, we're way off. We need to get to Massachusetts Bay. And that's going to take another month. How that did not result in a riot? Can you imagine being underwater for 66 days and then someone coming and they're like, yeah, we, 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 we're way off where we need to be. You need to be here for another 30 days. How did that not cause a riot? I, I'm, I'm amazed by it. And then they travel in another month and they get to Massachusetts Bay. But by now it's winter and it's a brutal winter. And I, can you imagine being on that boat? So you've traveled 66 days across the Atlantic you got to Cape Cod you were told you have to wait you wait the month you get to Massachusetts Bay and then the, you're told yeah it's a really bad winter you're going to have to stay on the ship for all the winter most of you are how that did not end in a riot is beyond me most stayed on that ship during that brutal winter while some went to onto the land when they stayed on ship they were exposed it was cold it was winter it's not like they had hot water bottles and electric blankets some had scurvy some got disease some of those diseases were contagious and spread to other shipmates by the end of that winter over 50% of the passengers had died. Just think about that for a minute. 102 passengers left Plymouth, England. And by the end of that first winter, it was down to about 50. Can you imagine the emotional turmoil that must have had? The pain, the grief, the sorrow. Watching maybe your father or your mother or your brother or your sister or your aunt or your uncle 
or just a friend that you know who you, you know because you have the same religion watching them get scurvy or watching them get another disease watching them cry in pain and in agony and then dying can you imagine going through that Those that went aboard shore met with some Native Americans and they were surprised that one of them spoke English. It was one of the few exchanges between Europeans and Native Americans that had a harmonious relationship. Just think about it from the Native Americans' point of view. You see the ship coming up and they dock and some disembark. What do you do? Are they, should we go to war with them? Should we hate them? Should we try kill them? Should we try rob them? Hmm, they might have some good stuff on that ship. Let's rob them. Let's make ourselves better. Those Native Americans welcomed them. Not only did they welcome, welcome them, when springtime came aboard, they showed them and helped them. They showed them how to plant corn. They showed them how to extract sap from the trees. They showed them how to catch fish. And probably most importantly, they showed them how to avoid dangerous poisonous plants. And the Native Americans and the European settlers from Plymouth, England, they coexisted. And then they went to work of settling their land and, and growing it and finding a way to make a home where they settled and in 1621 they had their first corn harvest just think about how we react today you know one of the things I love and one of my favourite foods is corn on the cob it's beautiful barbecue it, saute it, boil it lovely tasty, crunchy, beautiful add a bit of salt, a bit of melted butter mmm yum we just take yeah, corn on the cob eh. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, it's nice, I'll have it. I'll put it in my freezer and I might have it in a couple of days. But for these pilgrims it was different because it was their first harvest. Can you imagine transporting yourself back to 1620 and you've left England, you've, you've survived the brutal winter, you've crossed the Atlantic, you're now in this new land, you're now free. You have this opportunity, but you need food. Can you imagine the joy on their faces as they watched the corn grow? As they watched those green leaves get bigger and bigger. And inside them get thicker and thicker. And then you saw the corn that was inside them. Can you imagine the joy? And how did they respond? Well, they have what many consider today. There is some different opinion on this. But let's go with what I believe. They had the first Thanksgiving. They brought the Native Americans... And they had three days of feasts because they gave thanks. They gave thanks for the blessings they had received. Fast forward, it's now 1623. And there's a long drought. And you're the pilgrims there and you've settled and just, we're only here two years. There's this drought and if it doesn't rain, our lands won't get the moisture they need and to develop and to grow all the harvest and if we don't have a harvest we're only here a couple of years we'll all die we'll starve but then the drought ended 
Can you imagine how they must have felt when that rain fell? Think of how we think of rain today. Oh God, it's raining outside. I got to put up an umbrella. It's horrible. I I better you know cars might splash me, and I you know better not walk too close to the edge on the sidewalk. Or it's just an inconvenience. The traffic gets bigger and heavier, and it take me that bit longer to get home. But to these pilgrims, rain. They must have celebrated. They must have danced for joy. They might have done a rain dance, gone and splashed in the puddles. And again, how do they how do they react when they had this rain, this gift from God? Well, they had a day of fasting and thanksgiving. Can you imagine? This year, my boss, Glenn Beck, was mocked for calling for a day of fasting and reflection for the election. But in 1623, for a bit of rain, for water, for moisture from the clouds, they said, we need a day of fasting and thanksgiving. Because they knew exactly what that rain meant. Now fast forward to the America. America had declared its independence from Britain you had just had the constitution ratified and you have George Washington they've won the revolutionary war instead of bragging and being arrogant and being brash about it what did George Washington do well he called for a day of thanksgiving I want to read something to you that from his own words, what he said, his Thanksgiving proclamation. New York, 3rd of October, 1789. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Can you imagine any president from Republican or Democrat saying that today? Acknowledging the providence of Almighty God to obey His will and to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. In a world where politicians are my savior, and they, they're the only ones who can save us. George Washington said, We need God's protection and favor. It wasn't until 1817, back then when the, the great state of New York, how times have changed, huh? They were one of the first states to adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday. They celebrated every year, give thanks. But it wasn't that way in the South, and it wasn't that way for a lot of the country. That is until 1863. And of course you know this story. America is now in turmoil. Less than a hundred years after your foundation, after you declared independence from Britain, America is at civil war. 
you have North versus South, Yankee versus Confederate, White versus Black in some times. You have brother against brother, father against son. It is a brutal and horrific civil war. And in 1863, there was very little advances for either side. One side won a battle, the other side won the next battle. It was an ill-all draw. No side was gaining a significant advantage. On Lincoln's side, on the Yankee side, they had suffered quite a few losses recently. But in 1863, in Washington, D.C., October 3rd, Abraham Lincoln spoke these words and wrote these words. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so consistently enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theatre of military conflict. He went on, and his final line is key. We offer next, last Thursday of November next, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelt in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such a singular deliverance and blessings, they do also with humble and penance for our national preservedness and disobedience. Commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of all the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore us as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility and union. These are the words of Abraham Lincoln. Would you hear these words today? You're seeing a theme in the early thanksgiving of a recognition of God. Do you see politicians do that today? Each and every year, the final Thursday in November was considered thanksgiving. It was a day of of actually fasting, of prayer, of reflection, of giving the credit where it is due to its maker. Fast forward to 1939, and of course, American history wouldn't be complete if there wasn't a progressive involved. You see, America started giving thanks for corn, for harvest, for drought, the end of a drought, for the founding of your union, for a peaceful end to the Civil War. But by 1939, this had all been forgotten. FDR was president. And he moved up. He said, you know what, we need, we need to move up Thanksgiving a week. And was it for some motive? Was it to give thanks? Was it for some religious reason? Was it for some you know, motive that was noble? Nope. 
America under a progressive government and FDR, Mr. Internment Camp himself, decided to move up Thanksgiving a week because, well, we're in a Great Depression, folks, and we need that extra week to go shopping. That is why he moved it up. As you can imagine, for some Americans back then, who understood the real history of America and Thanksgiving and what it meant and why it is such a special holiday, they were outraged. It didn't last long. In 1941, FDR returned it to the fourth Thursday in November. Fast forward it to 2016. Think of your of those pilgrims and everything they went through. Why they gave thanks. Think of George Washington. Think of Abraham Lincoln. Think of the great state of New York in 1817. And everything they gave thanks for. And fast forward to 2016 and look at how many of us will act. Do we know what Thanksgiving means? Is it just a day to be around awkward family members and stuff our faces with our turkey and our stuffing and our cranberry sauce? Or more importantly, is it just a day where we're off? We're off work and we're all counting down the days to Cyber Friday or Black Friday. And then counting down the days to Cyber Monday. What does Thanksgiving mean to you? I gotta take a quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. 